This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 173 of the Stacey West podcast. I, as always, am Ben and I'm joined as ever by Gary. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm just looking in the camera. I don't know if I might have started receiving in a little bit i mean i'm 43 yeah. so you'd expect me to but i've had a, maybe it's just because i've had a haircut i think it, it's it's shorter than normal which highlights things like that i mean if, if i if i lift mine up it's basically got a lee philpot forehead um right. <laughs> lee philpot listens i once measured um from where it was receding to to my eyebrow and intended to keep a record of it um but forgot <laughs> afterwards so fee took great delight in it i think she was quite happy that i I might be aging. She just messaged me earlier just with old. Messaged about it. It's like, what do you mean old? She put, oh, no, I meant okay. I bet she didn't. It's gaslighting. That's what it is. <laughs> it's chipping away at my self-confidence bit by bit. It's like earlier when, uh, you know, I said on, on the dog walk that uh, I said all-timer and you thought I was uh, I was being rude. I said, no, it wasn't a typo. I didn't mean old-timer. But we will come to that part of the discussion. No, no, I, I, I knew I knew what you meant. I was I was poking fun at myself because usually I poke fun at you, and I thought it'd be a nice little treat for you um, ahead <laughs> of uh, the roasting that you're inevitably going to get through the course of this podcast. No, it's very true, and uh, I, I did I did send you a photo of how I watched the dog walk this morning as well because uh, I couldn't uh, couldn't catch it on my uh, on my phone or my um, or on my, my work computer today, so I had to uh, had it on my TV. So I had a very scary image of of you know. Gaz on a, a forty-eight inch TV looking down at me for the for the duration of the dog walk, which uh, yeah, I've had I've had less scary experiences. What everybody wants to know though was the sky blue enough? Probably, yeah. Don't know. I mean, it's the first. It's I I find it quite touching actually that you're spending your day looking at like a twelve-inch head of mine. <laughs> Someone's got to. Anyway, <laughs> right. How's uh, your week been, mate? Are you okay? Is everything? Been all right apart from you, thigh. Yes, good. Yeah, I welcomed two Lincoln City legends into my house uh, on Monday or Tuesday. I'd Jane saw, and Mark yeah. came. Yeah, they came over and dropped me off a, a running a running machine, an exercise bike I bought. So 
that was uh, that was good. But yeah, just been busy. Actually, fee's been away all week. I could, I genuinely could work at the minute eighty hours and still not get all of the work done we need to do. So, yeah, just basically working. This is my recreation, believe it or not. Oh, this. what? <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah busy times how are you sorry i should ask how you are aren't i i mean i don't do the internet story because honestly you bored the tits off me off air so um, thanks don't do for that. that i wasn't going to mention it <laughs> um no i'm good i'm good uh it's been it, it's been a, a a couple of weeks that have been tough for a number of reasons but football's back which gives me something else to focus on at the moment so uh it's uh it was nice to to get back to central bank on it on saturday and uh and enjoy some competitive football. Yeah, um, there was a few changes actually around me. Um, season tickets had changed. Stan, who sat and sits next to me, uh, had moved two along further away from me, um, <laughs> which was quite amusing. But I sat next to him genuinely for, since like the conference season or the National League season, the last one. And when he came up the stairs, he reached over and he because two people were sat next to him. I'm like, the fuck you you're in stan's seat like <laughs> and then stan came up he goes oh we're sitting here he goes but it wasn't it's nothing to do with you we've been looking for the aisle seat for a while because i was like okay no worries I, I get that so yeah new people next to me dave and either andy or sam i can't remember which one his son's name was it might have been andy but they seem all right so yeah it's all good fair enough uh, yeah we've got new people around us as well i believe the person that's next to me i believe is a podcast listener because at one point he turned to me and went gary's mate's coming on and i'm like what do you mean so no mcguire's coming on so, oh right okay um, <laughs> so uh so yeah i believe we've at least got a reader if not a listener so uh, that was that's always good um but yeah no a couple of changes like you say it's uh you know a lot was familiar a lot was uh a lot was you know a few bits were different um but we were there obviously for the game and um i think it was everybody before the game was was sort of saying don't know what to expect weren't they i think you know, we, we had a chat and we said we, we don't know. Um, I think pretty much everybody that I spoke to, we sort of said, I, I, I don't know what to expect. We're just going to go into it, open expectations and and see how we go. But um, I think moving into the game, I think the first half was, there was probably a little bit of a, a hangover maybe from the Appleton era with a couple of the players and maybe trying to, you know, there was a little bit of focus around... The, the playing out from the back and, and keeping it the way that it was for, for bits of the first half. Um, but then I think after about half an hour, the, the rhythm started to settle a little bit and um, they were promising things from uh, from the game, weren't they? Yeah, I'm not buying into the fact there was a hangover from the Appleton era. I mean, Mark Kennedy's been in all summer, they played friendlies and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying into that. Um, I, I understand where it comes from because there was elements of the playing out from the back, but we're going to do that anyway. I don't, I don't think that that was anything to do with a hangover, and I don't think it's something that we eradicated. I think we had to alter the way that we play um, a little bit because of because of the way Exeter were playing, because we looked to try and play a bit of a high line and press, but they had the pace going forward, and and we didn't. And uh, at the back, we, we couldn't kind of keep up with them, and I think that was fairly evident. Um, could be a concern going forward because. I mean, Giovanni Brown uh, that scored their goal. It's his first game in League One. He's been playing in League Two and I think the National League. Um, I remember him at Cambridge. I liked him because he was quick, but he always looked like you know one of those run forest run players that you know, mm. is quick, but when he gets the ball at his feet, can't do anything with it. A bit like um, Cohen was at, sometimes with the greatest mm-hmm. respect. 
Yeah. Uh, Sam Nombi, you know, he, he's got the two things um, that I like in a centre-forward pace and power together. Everything that I thought maybe Dan and Lundaloo would have last season and didn't. Everything, again, we don't have at the moment. And it, it sounds negative, but there's two things, you know, pace at the back we, we don't really have and, and, and pace up front, which is a concern. Um, but I think we adjusted well to cope with that. So you, you play to your strengths. Uh, and you, you you kind of play against your weaknesses, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I think after 20 minutes, we realised that we were try- trying to do something that just wasn't working. And, and we'd been punished and we should have been 2-0 down within 20 minutes. You know, we were lucky at 1-0. But we weren't playing badly. Mm. And, and people around me were moaning and sighing and all that sort of thing. I liked some of the patterns of play. Um, I liked that we were going forward a little bit quicker. Mm. I thought Carl Rushworth's distribution was fantastic. Yeah, um, and yeah, that, yeah. After their goal and then their miss, they they had the big miss moments. After I thought the game changed after they scored, and people said, "Oh, we were we were bobbins in the first half." I actually think for the last 10, 15 minutes of the first half, we were the better side as well. Personally, mm. yeah, I think you know I'd, I'd agree with you on that. I think that the the first half an hour was was a a sticky one. Um, obviously, the goal. <sighs> Like you say, that that lack of pace is a bit of a concern at the moment. Um, I think for me, um, the thing that frustrated me with the goal was that O'Connor was extremely, you know, adamant that the their you know their, their lab was offside. But you want you know as soon as it got played through, I could see from where I was, it's like, well, you've played him on. You know, he was behind you. You've played him on by quite a distance. Looking at the replay confirms it, and I think. It almost seemed like his mind was sort of on the right. Well, if we appeal for this one, we'll get it, rather than it 100% focused on getting back. But obviously, he didn't have the pace to get back anyway. Um, I think it was. See, so I find that in- interesting because I've heard, I've seen, I've heard that opinion before, and you're quite right. That was that did happen. You know, he did appeal for the offside while he was running back. He did look like he lacked the pace. People who uh, from Bradford have said he does lack pace. Okay, but there was very few people pointing the finger at fans hero Regan Paul, who had overcommitted in an area of the field he didn't need to seconds earlier. Mm. That Sorensen was coming across to Marshall Sam Nombi, um, and Paul's overcommitted. And for me, he's as caught. And I'm not. I don't want to blame people for the goal. The goals only come from errors, Mark Kennedy said. And Paul uh, Regan Paul committed as much of an error. As Paddy O'Connor, and as much of an error in my point, in my eyes, probably as TJ Ayoma. Um, mm. The one question you've got to ask in this is the attack came from their right. We haven't mentioned Jamie Robson at all. Mm. And that is, you know, there's a third thing there. Where was the left back? Why was the right back over there overcommitting anyway? Where was the left back? And then Paddy O'Connor as well. So, yeah, it wasn't a pretty goal to concede, but uh, it I'm- certainly wasn't just O'Connor's fault. No, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to insinuate that it was, but at the, at the time, it, it seemed a bit sort of well. There's no use complaining about the offside, mate. You played him on, and there we go. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately, it was a decent finish from the lad. Can't really fault that. Um, Good I don't think Rushwood. I don't think Rushwood really stood too much of a chance with it as soon as it went one on one. But you know, like you said, then they had the miss. But after that, I think. It almost allowed us to calm down a little bit, just take a moment, take a breath and say, right, let's refocus and, and get on with it. And like you said, I think there was moments where we showed some real uh, promise with some of the movements, some of the passages of play. 
Um, it almost sounds like I'm picking a quote from last season in that it, it looked really good until the final third or the final moment. Um, but, you know, we had a couple of chances where um, I think the keep forced a couple of saves out the keeper, if I remember rightly. Um, but overall, uh, yeah, going into the going into the second half, I thought we came out a different side. I think Exeter probably had a good couple of minutes out of the blocks, but then I think really um, we we did enough. Obviously, we didn't have to take a point, but um, I think probably would have got would have won the game if the game had gone on for a little bit longer. Um, I, I thought we looked the better team. I thought it, it showed that the uh, the fitness regimes and all of the the work that's gone into the, the squad fitness preseason. That seemed to be showing through. I thought that you know there weren't too many tired-looking legs towards the end, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, let, let's talk about Tom Hopper's goal because I've seen a few people suggest that he didn't mean it. Even if he didn't, who cares? It went in. <laughs> yeah. First of all, let's talk about we didn't let, we didn't make the keeper. The keeper didn't have to make a save in the first half. I think the best chance that we had was when Las Sorensen drilled wide from range. But I don't mm. remember their keeper having to make a save. Um, but the goal in, yeah, it, it's because the goal came so quickly. You know, we, we needed to get back in the game quickly, I think, because the longer it went on, as you said, um, there was elements of last season where things were falling apart a little bit in the final third. Uh, we'll come to that because I also think actually we showed more attacking intent in the mm. final 60 minutes of this game than we did in 90% of the games that we played at home last season. So we'll come back to that. Um, but Tom's goal was nice. And, and you know, it came from something that it seems so crazy to be critical from, but it came from a throw-in. Yeah. And our throw-ins actually were really poor on Saturday. There was there was such a, a lack of movement. It was almost as if they're not quite sure who's got to put it where. And yeah, it was a Jamie Robson throw-in. Really, you know, he's, he's picked it up. He's found hacks. Hacks, who I'm going to talk about by the way in a minute as well. So just remind me on that one. But beautiful delivery and. Tom meant it, and it's not very mm. often you see somebody lob a keeper with a header, um, and and that's what he's done. It was it was a great finish, and hopefully, you know, the first of, of a double figure season for Tom in the league. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it's fair that we probably talk about um, the three players for me that that could have been man of the match. That ultimately, if you'd have said this time last, well, it's not this time last season, but if you'd have said midway through last season. You know, you're going to have um, Hacks, Max Sanders and Lars Sorensen fighting for man of the match. People probably would have laughed you out of the building um, because they, they just didn't get the chances last season. But they've been given do a chance one, now. Do and, them one at a time. Do them one at a time. Yeah, I will do. I mean, you know, we'll, yeah, okay, we'll start. Fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's start with last. Let's start with Lars Sorensen then because I think he had... Um, what? I'm, I'm delighted because I've got numbers in front of me and I'm going to be dispelling a few myths. Good. Okay. Let's start with last because I think um, a couple of people were were nervous. I think a few people probably a bit, bit nervy about having Lass in that uh, defensive midfield role. But uh, he likes a tackle, doesn't he? Six tackles according to D3, D4, um, yeah. which was good. Uh, Actually, his numbers in every other area of the field were virtually the same as last season. Um, and okay. It's funny. I, I, I talk, How often do I talk about perception on the podcast? Mm. Talk about it all the time. Lass Sorensen didn't play the holding role last season, if I remember, at all. 
I don't no. think. I think it was always Conor McGrandall. So Lass was then playing ahead. I don't think he's an eight. I don't think he, he plays that role particularly well. Actually, when he was playing in the six, he was everywhere. He was like, you know, when you used to tread in dog shit and you suddenly found it, you know, on your jeans and you'd turn around and, oh, God, it's on my socks. And, do you know what I mean? He was like that. He was he was everywhere. Now, for me, he's still not quite physical enough. He could do with plenty of weight sessions. Um, but people were t- telling me about his passing and they're saying oh, his passing's loads better than it was last season. Loads better. Um, in terms of passes per 90 minutes, he was actually fifth. Um, okay. Out of our out of our team, although to be fair, to, uh, fourth. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Although to be fair to him, that is actually only behind Paul Robson and Ioma. And when we play out from the back, they make more passes. So, in terms of you know players in the attacking third, he played the most amount of passes, which is quite good. Um, forward passes, I think, certainly in the position he's in, he's quite interesting. Um, he played ten uh, forward passes again. The only players ahead behind uh, ahead of him rather were the four at the back and the midfielder. So uh, the goalkeeper rather. So um, yeah, it, his numbers certainly weren't bad. And in terms of pass accuracy, uh, he was actually quite a long way down on forward passes. He only had sixty three percent, which is actually behind uh, Sanders, Hopper, Oakley, Booth, and Scully. Um, so it was a it was a good start from him. I think that there were there's elements there that that you know he's going to need to work on, but the the reason we're talking about him and the reason we're going to talk about the other two is that they were so easily dispelled last season. The reason I'm really happy is I remember having conversations with almost anyone who would listen that I still rated Lars Sorensen. Mm-hmm. I thought that there was something there, and he was one of the players that many people had termed as dead wood over the summer. Max and Hacks, a pro- Max and Hacks. Oh, that sounds like a TV <laughs> show. Um, Max and Hacks were two of the others. You know, Max maybe not getting his chance. Hacks was absolutely deadwood in people's eyes. So mm-hmm. in the first game of the season, but yeah, really promising from last, I thought. Yeah, and you know, we'll, we'll come on to Max Sanders then because um, obviously he said in the you know in the run up to the to the season that he he felt he should have played more last season. Um, maybe you know fell out of favour with the manager after after maybe getting his chance and and seemingly blowing it but he, he's been a bit of a fan's favorite in in some respects hasn't he he's been that sort of just on the fringes and fans want to give him a chance and fans are wondering where he is um but i thought he was he was very good on saturday i thought he had a, an industrious afternoon um for you know for want of a better description um i thought he um well he, he was putting himself about and there was one point where he he got i mean he, he took a clearance full onto the face didn't he and uh you know, in the second half as he was running towards the line. And it's it's almost that kind of never-say-die attitude that people have wanted to see from other players in the past. I think, um, yeah, having that, uh, having the guts to get stuck in um, will go a long way in his favour. Yeah, I think so. I think um, with him not playing... You see, he's one that everybody assumed would be the natural successor to Liam Bridgecott. And actually, yep. I think you know, he's, he's more of the attacking midfielder, an eight, not a ten, um, which is where he was playing at the weekend. I think um, it, he was an easy one to criticise last season. Um, and, and obviously, he seemed to fall out of favour with Michael Appleton. There was a talk about him still wanting to play on the 23 football sideways all the time, that sort of thing. Um, he had more shots. He actually had two shots. Um, as did Anthony Scully. So there was certainly a real attacking intent. He had as many successful attacking actions per 90 as TJ Aoma, Jamie Robson and Anthony Scully as well. So he had a, a kind of a really attack-minded um, game. He even delivered a couple of crosses into the box um, and, 
and the crossing stats are really interesting because you know, we had two wingers. One of the wingers didn't put a single cross into the box. Um, both fullbacks did, Hacks did, and, and then Max was the other one that put cross into the box, which I think is, is fantastic. Interestingly, when we look at his passing stats, there actually is a little bit of um, last season still creeping in because forward passes per 90, he played fewer than anybody else on the field. So think about this. Tom Hopper, and bear in mind it's forward passes per 90, so it's worked out with injury time and all that sort of stuff. But Tom Hopper essentially played seven forward passes in the game, whereas according to the numbers, Max played um, three. Oh, and wow, I think okay. it's, it, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's quite interesting. Whereas lateral passes, which basically is a sideways pass or at kind of 45 degrees, um, he, was, he, he was still quite a way down the list. Um, he played fewer sideways passes than... Um, any of the defenders. Last Sorensen played more, um, and, and and he played more than uh, Tashan Oakley Booth. To be fair, and Tashan got quite a bad rap, and he didn't actually have a bad game according to to the numbers. So there's work to do with Max, but I think what we saw with him, he was getting on the ball, he was attacking and driving forward more. Um, and if I remember correctly, let me just shuffle across to my database. Um, dribbles per 90 is one that I always like because transitioning with the ball at your feet and, and being successful in that is, is, in my opinion, a really positive trait within a player. Um, and Max made more dribbles per 90 than any of uh, the other Lincoln City players on the field. Mm. And when you've got wingers who are expected to dribble, I think that that's, um, that's, that's quite positive. Um, yeah. So he made... Uh, 4.59 dribbles per 90 so it's 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 around four dribbles i think which is which was just more than Herm hacks at 60 percent success rate as well so bear in mind he made almost four times as many dribbles as scott as anthony scully and he was more successful 60 percent compared to scully's 50 um wow, okay. i think i think in yeah promising signs from max sanders yeah absolutely and then the what the man that got the uh the sponsors man of the match. I think um, he was second in my uh, second in my, my list of, of players for the man of the match. Um, Hacks, it, you know, I think we said before we've said before that he, he drifted away from the first team uh, after the MK Dons game, which is when I thought, you know, I think we both thought that he was starting to really show a little bit more of what he was capable of in that game. Um, obviously, we you know we lost the game, but I thought he had a decent uh, decent run out. Um, and didn't really appear for the first team since, but um, yeah, the fact that he, he came in on Saturday and uh, you know he got his head down and made some in the first half made some really impressive runs down the wing, put some you know, lots of crosses in. Um, I thought he was very impressive on Saturday, and hopefully this is going to be almost a bit of a rebirth for him, and, and we'll see the player that we we spoke about signing last season when we we spoke about it in pre-season um because i know you were particularly excited about bringing him in um and yeah he obviously didn't quite live up to it last season but it looks like he uh, he might be turning it around this time here's my fear he won't get a chance to that's my fear because when we talk about transfer rumours, you know, we're almost certainly going to be signing players or looking for players who have got the wow factor. The Premier League youngster with the pace, the dip of the shoulder that plays out wide. Charles Vernon is, is a player that Lincoln City are going to want to be playing because we've signed him, we've brought him in. There's a lot of faith being put in Charles. He's quick, he's tricky, he's our boy. We're looking to develop him. Scully, we're going to be looking to try and get in there at some point as well because he's the golden boy that potentially we could sell on 15 goals two seasons in a row should already have two this season the fear is that 
Hacks could, you know, short of scoring a hat trick in, in his next game and then the game after that, it doesn't really matter what he does. Mm. And that's a real shame because he was my man of the match. Uh, and people can deride me as much as they want. He was my man of the match by some distance on Saturday. Um, he played, uh, I think it's six crosses through the course of the game, which is on average, um, I think, two more than, than our best kind of crossing ratio last season. Um, in terms of accuracy, I, I, crossing accuracy is, 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 is a stat I don't like because an accurate cross is made accurate by a striker getting on the end of it, you can put a cross into a great area. And we saw several crosses going to great areas, one in the first half particularly, I think, from Max, actually, um, that nobody got on the end of. So I don't I don't buy into the cross accuracy as much. Um, aside from Max Sanders, he made more dribbles per 90. Uh, he was 50% of the time he was successful. That's another good number. And it wasn't just... It's just, just not just the numbers. It's certain things that the numbers don't tell you. His crosses... The, the type of cross he was putting in early, whipped mm. across, coming in behind the back four. The number of times I saw teams do that towards last season, I used to think, why can't we put that cross in? Because it looks so easy. It's the same. It's a similar ball to the one that Nombi played to Giovanni Brown in that you go in behind the defence and letting somebody run onto it. Okay, it wasn't strictly like that. It certainly was for, for Scully's chance, you know, that was a similar cross as well. The other yeah. thing I liked about Hacks, he was right out on the touchline, and I talked about this on the dog walk. We were hitting the big switch. You and I used to wax lyrical about Lewis Monsma pinging the 50-yard ball from mm -hmm. one side of the pitch to the other. And then last season, he did it a couple of times and missed it out, and everyone was going, oh, shit. Um, and the big switch stopped. It stopped last season after seven or eight games. Now, I don't know why. I surmise it might be because actually the wingers weren't getting tight enough to the touchline. They weren't looking at running into the space. But Hacks was over by the touchline, 18-yard area over to half, the kind of halfway back towards the halfway line. That was the space he was waiting for the ball. It kept going across to him it was and he was controlling it he didn't miscontrol one if i remember he did sky across everybody makes a mistake but he didn't miscontrol the ball he was bringing it down and then you've got the option for the overlapping fullback ioma did it um tj did it much better with hacks than jamie robson did um in the other half when they switched wings you've got the player coming inside as well tashan who, who actually i didn't think played well until i looked at the numbers and then thought actually well that was quite was quite a good start and i'll, I'll come to tashan in a second so i was really excited for hacks um, mm -hmm. And you know, the only thing it might be is an extra twenty grand on the transfer fee if somebody wants to buy him before the window closes. Um, I hope not. I hope that he remains as part of the squad because I think that he could be an asset. Yeah, uh, I'd say I think he had a very good game. I was uh, I was delighted for him really because you know he, he seemed to be a bit of a whipping boy last season um, for a number of people. But uh, yeah, I mean. Other than that, obviously the goal, um, like we've mentioned, was was a, a decent one. I think other chances that we had, you mentioned there, Scully should have had two. Um, the one, I think, the one that was a biggest a bigger shock to me that he missed it was the one from Hax's cross, um, yeah. and it was on the volley. I think the scramble. It's it, how often do you see it where you've got a scramble that you know it goes away for the defence in the end. Um, the the, the cross from Hacks was sublime. I think the fact that Scully managed to get his foot on the end of it, you'd have put your, you know, you'd have put your house on it normally. He'd, uh, he'd have buried that every day of the week. But unfortunately, Saturday, I think he just leant back a little bit and and put it over. But um, yeah, I think the uh, go on. Just on the yeah, sorry, on those chances, 
you're absolutely right. The first one, you put your house on him scoring it. Um, but he got in the position. He made the run. And that that's promising. I've watched videos of Danny Mandrew playing. Um, and they're the sorts of places that Mandrew arrives for Shamrock at times. Back stick, six yards, eight yards out. So I think there's a there's a promise there because it doesn't just have to be your wingers drifting in. You know, those eights kind of go through. And that kind of then takes you to the second opportunity. It was a scramble. Single-minded Anthony Scully wants to score the goal. Actually, if you break it down and it's really, really easy for to watch a replay back and go, oh, he should have done that. Ted Bishop was in quite a good position for just a little slide pass if you could get the pass right. And then he's got kind of a, not an open goal, but he's got a better opportunity. Do you want your forwards to be less selfish? That They don't score 15 goals a season or 20 goals a season mm. by passing in, in the six-yard area. So I think the promising things were that that's twice that Scully got in good positions. His XG is already at one and he's already he's not scored. He's a player that usually outscores his XG, so he's now already due two goals um, without having a, a, a decent chance <laughs> out of them. So over to you, Mr Scully. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think um, probably, you know, time to time to mention the, the big surprise of the afternoon. First off, the fact that Chris Maguire was on the bench, um, whether that was to make up the numbers or, well, I suspect it probably was given... Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, you know, given the, the situation with a few of the players. And secondly, um, the fact that he actually came on. Um, I I was genuinely surprised to see him um, come on the pitch. I was not surprised, but a little bit disappointed by the reaction from some of the fans. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. Um, we know it's going to happen, but I, I don't agree with it. You know, as long as he's playing in red and white, he deserves... He, he deserves you know, a round of applause when he comes on or he deserves support as long as he's on the pitch. Um, but yeah, uh, a bizarre moment, wasn't it? Well, it was because I don't understand why you would boo him on the pitch for this game, but not boo him for the crew game because he's done nothing between mm. crew and now to offend anybody. He hasn't asked for a transfer. He's been told he's not part of the plans. That's completely out of the player's um hands now yeah i don't i didn't like some aspects from last season as as we've we've kind of discussed he's not a player i'm particularly fond of i'd never boo a lincoln city player onto the field it happened last season with last Sorensen. it happened last season with morgan whittaker yep. it's it's a, a trend within the lincoln fans that absolutely fucking disgusts me if i'm honest and I don't buy, I pay my money, I can do what I want. If we play badly and we lose, I don't boo. I can understand why some people do. Yep. Booing a player on the field is just utterly repugnant. Um, and it was it was a surprise he came on. Now, the thing is, as soon as he came on, I turned to my mate Matt and said, if he scores, he's doing a lap of Sinsel Bank with his finger to his lips because that's <laughs> the sort of arse yeah. that he is. Do you know what I mean? And Actually, he was involved in the Scully scramble chance. If you watch it back, he plays a nice little kind of, I think they call it a reverse ball, which makes no sense. Yeah, um, he played out to the edge of the 18, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He played a lovely little ball in uh, for, for Scully's chance. And then he had a, ch a shot of his own, didn't he? Um, yeah. And he, do you know what? He got the ball. He saw the headlines, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He got the ball and there was better options. And I said to Matt, he's going to shoot. And with that, he's kind of, he's hit it. And it was at that <laughs> point, if he had scored, I could just, how how's he going to shush everybody? Is he going to run up to Mark <laughs> Kennedy and do it to his own manager? <laughs> And, and, you know, just for a minute, I kind of, I had a vision of me being a hypocrite 
um, because I was a hypocrite. Never. Ben, yeah, Ben Hutchinson called us the worst fans in the world, and I was calling him everything under the sun. And then he scored a couple of weeks later, and I was singing his name. And my dad <laughs> said, well, you were slugging him off before the game. It's like, yeah, but he's just scored. And I could just see myself going, super, super Chris, super, <laughs> super Chris. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and I'd say thankfully he didn't score. I mean, I would have loved him to have scored, but don't expect to see him in a Lincoln shirt again. No, no, I think I, uh, with people with people coming back into fitness, I don't think it's going to be a an option. I I will say I was slightly more well. I was surprised to see him coming on over someone like Charlie Kendall. Um, position though, isn't it? He, well, he yeah, didn't come on. He didn't come up front. He didn't, he didn't come, come on, on up forward, front. No. Um, he was only on the bench because Ben House had got the virus. I think yeah. um, Ben House would have would have been on the bench. Obviously, Charles Vernon uh, had taken a knock at Blackburn. Vernon would have played, which would have then put Hacks on the bench as well. We wouldn't have needed the attacking options. And for people to criticise Mark Kennedy and say it shows weak management, that's you know it's just absolutely utter madness. Um, because it, it doesn't. It shows sensible management. It shows sensible management for keeping Chris Maguire in the first team picture. And mm. you, do you know what? It's one contrast, I think, with last season. I think had it been the same manager, I'm not criticising Michael Appleton, had it been the same manager, he wouldn't have picked a player that he had already told could leave the club, I don't think, in the, in the yeah. manner that he has. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's the last time we've seen Chris Maguire. I just stress to people... If you think that it's weak management in 2002-03, Tony Battersby and Kingsley Black both made appearances for Lincoln City in the early part of the season, despite knowing that their Lincoln City careers were over and they were paid up and left um, before we went on the playoff run. It happens. It happens. And, and it's just football management. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think there's uh, there's a lot of promise in that performance. I think Um it, it's clearly not the finished article at the moment. It's still a work in progress, but I came away from it feeling a lot more optimistic than I did going into it. Um, but like I said, before the game, I don't think we really knew what to expect. Um, but there was enough there on Saturday for me to like believe that I think, you know, things are, things are going in the right direction at the moment um, for the club. I mean, what about yourself? There was enough there to make me think it. that we won't finish inside the bottom four. Yes, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I know it's only ninety minutes, but you know, it was a it was a strong opening for me, and I think, like I said, work in progress for sure, but we're, we're moving in the right way. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we'll come on to it. I think Saturday's the worst possible game we could have had uh, yep. away at Portsmouth because it's a game where we'll, we'll cover it, but you know, there's very, very little chance of us bringing anything back from that game at all. Um, but we've got a decent run. We've got Forest Green at home coming up. I think it's winnable, even though they're looking strong. And I think they've signed, um, who they signed? Connor Wickham, who, to be honest, I've always called called rubbish. And, and they were saying he knows where the goal is. And I was looking at it. He's got like 30 goals in eight years or 10 years or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've nearly scored more. Um, but yeah, it, I saw enough because that's base Lincoln City. Mm. Um, that's that's like buying the base model of a video game without getting the DLC and the, <laughs> the bonus packs and all that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you take the Witcher 3 and you take the Witcher 3 Game of the Year edition, which is better, the one with all the bells and whistles. That's, that's raw Lincoln City. There's no bells and whistles on it. Um, and we're almost certain that there will be additions from this point onwards. Uh, and it, it, you know, Everything hinges on them, and it's the same every transfer window. It's the same last transfer window. It's the same going into the last day. Everything hinged on it. 
and it balls up. We've got what three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, and uh, will we be seeing Gary one of the heavily rumoured transfers coming back? Michael Bridges um, may have been <laughs> at the Bentley. Spotted at the Bentley, yeah. I think at this point in time, it's probably behind the counter um, serving <laughs> to Michael Bridges is uh, is history. I actually had somebody message me today and say, can, can you do an article on players that we're incessantly linked with who never actually arrive at the club? Um, and if you're listening on the podcast – tweeters with the list of those players and i'll put together yeah. a top five uh now the difference is of course the the player that we're going to talk about was heavily rumored to be joining us and didn't join mansfield then was heavily be rumored to be joining us and did and then was then recalled and then has been linked with us like every single day since it's obviously tyler walker now it baffles me a little bit because i had somebody message me who doesn't usually they're not a rumor monger who said Tyler Walker was at the game. Unequivocally, Tyler Walker was at the game. Surely Coventry will travel to Sunderland the night before. Should he not have been in a hotel travelling up with Coventry? Mm -hmm. He appeared for Coventry the next day. Um, a journalist, Ryan Whelan, suggested that uh, he felt that there was a deal close. Tyler Walker and Lincoln had agreed a deal, but Coventry and Lincoln hadn't. Um, it's my understanding that that... It, that Ryan was misled when he was was told that or there was a certain degree of misunderstanding. Um, and, and Ryan's usually quite accurate, by the way. He was the first person to get Conor McGrandall staying in England. So um, certainly not kind of pointing the finger uh, particularly at him. I, I don't think... I don't think Tyler Walker is the model of player that we would sign right now. He's 25, so he's a good age. I think Charles Vernon, is he 25? Uh, I don't know. Might be wrong on Charles Bernamay. I've actually got it right here in front of me. Uh, where is it? I can't find it now. No, I haven't because he didn't play, did he? Um, so Charles Burnham, yeah, 25. So he's the same age, but he's out of contract at the end of the year at Coventry. So what happens if we sign him and we sign him on loan till the end of the season? Coventry ain't going to let that happen without a chunky loan fee. We're not going to waste money on a player who's not our own. Well, if we're doing a loan fee, it's going to be to develop a player from a Premier League side so we keep that going. There isn't any kudos in developing a Coventry City, 25-year-old Coventry City striker. With the greatest respect to Coventry City, we ain't going to go back to him next season and go, well, we've made Tyler Walker into a striker that earned you a million. Can we now borrow someone out of your youth team? Because there are 30 teams better than Coventry City uh, in terms of academy, and that's no disrespect to Coventry. So we'd have to buy him. Now, if we were going to buy him, are we going to pay the money that they want? What did they pay for him? However much are we going to pay £400,000 for a Tyler Walker? Probably not, because where does he play? Tom Hopper's the captain. He's the number nine. We play a 4-3-3, yeah. apparently. Where do you play Walker? You don't play him on the flank. We've got Charlie Kendall, Ben House, Freddie Draper. I think that we need a more experienced centre-forward. Whether we're going to get that or not, I don't know. It's it's brilliant. It's the fair. It's it's the headline, isn't it? It's everyone. You know, when you're linked with Tyler Walker, everyone knows who Tyler Walker is. So they'll go, you know, when you wake, it comes up. Oh, Tyler Walker wearing it. Well done, <laughs> you recognise him. But with you know, the best signing is the ones that you don't really know about beforehand. A lot yeah. of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd, I'd agree. I think um, it it does seem to have gone a little bit mad. I mean, we were talking about it. Um, 
on Saturday before the game, and it was. I think you said at one point, oh, if one more person, if I had a pound for everybody that's mentioned Tyler Walker to me, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. And literally somebody came over, tapped you on the shoulder and said, what's all this about Walker then? And it was just yeah, the Mick timing. Yeah, came over, didn't he? <laughs> time was absolutely perfect. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, you know, I I think I think anybody would like to see Tyler Walker back in, in red and white. But like you say, I don't know if it's going to be the kind of signing that would fit into the way that we're doing things. Um, like you, I, I think a either a young loan from a Premier League club or a slightly more experienced striker from maybe our league or, or possibly League Two. Um, you know, or if we can get somebody in potentially on a you know on a bargain from a championship club. It's it's not the it, it it would be the headline, like you say, but it, it's not necessarily the the right fit at this point, maybe. I think the fact that we're going a little bit longer, you need a player who's going to be decent in the air. Um, yeah. I did a Pompey podcast last night and they were saying that you know, there was a big question mark over Tyler Walker's work rate. Now, we didn't actually get to see an awful lot of that because he didn't play an awful lot under um, Danny. And when Michael came in, you know, the, we were... He was playing for Michael in that awkward kind of period. And when Michael started stamping his himself on the team, Tyler left, you know, not mm. sent away, but left. So he was kind of there at an awkward time. Uh, you know, we were inevitably going to be linked with him because it's an easy, easy link. And um, I, you know, I think that there's probably some desire from the player, maybe. Yeah. Um, I know that we were linked with him last transfer window in the winter quite heavily mm-hmm. it's my understanding that you know we were quite close to bringing him in on loan at that time as well but i don't i don't see how a deal is struck um but you know with a kiss of death so mm. you know, i'm saying that he'll probably sign on monday but <laughs> i'm pretty it. certain that nobody will sign tomorrow i'm pretty certain as you're listening to this on a friday we won't sign anyone before the portsmouth game i'm i'm absolutely certain about that so there we go. Welcome to Lincoln City. Tyler Walker being announced at <laughs> half past 11 on Friday. <laughs> it's always, always happens. Always happens. Um, but now, I mean, obviously, you know, we are, we are trundling towards the end of the window. Um, it, it, is there, obviously that they've said they want to bring a couple of people in. There will inevitably be one or two that, that go, whether that's on loan or potentially permanently. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've obviously expressed where we feel the need to, to strengthen. Do you think Saturday has lessened a little bit of the need for the, the, the desperate cries for a midfield general given Lass's performance? Or do, we, you know, do, we, do you think we're still in that, in that market? I think it's a one-off performance. Um, okay. I think it's settled some nerves, but I yeah. still think... We don't have another holding midfielder. Yeah, if Lass no. was to get injured tomorrow, who plays there? Don't have it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there is a need for another central midfielder. Now, I, as I said on the Portsmouth podcast yesterday, and I don't, for fear of repeating myself, not that anyone will kind of listen to the <laughs> Portsmouth one. Uh, well, Portsmouth fans will, obviously. It's a good podcast. Um, yeah, I don't see us signing the player that, that people think we need. And it's the same up top. You, you just talk there about the striker. 
I don't see us going in and bringing a 26, 27, 28-year-old player with 150, 200 league games. Everyone's going to go, wow, what a great signing he is. Like Richie Smallwood would have been the sort of signing that people have gone, he'll do well, I think. And obviously he went to Bradford in League Two, so there's something there, maybe a little bit amiss. But the reason is I don't see us spending a six-figure sum on a player who he's not going to have any resale value. And so if we mm-hmm. bring in a 26-year-old for £200,000, you put him on a two-year deal, um, and he does well after a year, you may as well flush your £200,000 down the toilet. You may as well, because he's good. You know, doesn't sign a deal, walks away. And I know that that's a risk. I get that. But with a younger player, you can go long-term contract, like if they're 22, three, four-year deal or whatever, three-year deal. And as long as you've done your due, dil- due diligence – you, know, you can maybe look at flipping that player. Teo Eden, classic example. You know, wasn't going to sign a new deal. No, de- yeah, and and that's not people talk about that as being like club loyalty or whatever. It ain't. At the end of the day, like Teo Eden wants to play as high as he can. Yeah, yeah, and he's not going to say I'm not signing a new Lincoln deal because he's an arsehole. He's saying it because he knows at the end of his contract he can go somewhere. So, you know, he's a classic example. And probably Regan Paul. If if Regan Paul continues to play well, I would imagine that he will. I don't think he'll leave before the end of this transfer window. He might, but I don't think he will. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't come sniffing in December wanting to pay as a fee for him, particularly with his contract running out. I don't know if there's an option. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think that Lassie's performance lessens the need for a defensive midfielder. But I don't think that the defensive midfielder that fans feel that we need and what fans feel and what Mark Kennedy feels is very different. Um, but I don't think the defensive midfielder that fans think we need is going to be available at this stage of the season at the sort of price that we're willing to pay. Um, I envisage three to four incomings. Wouldn't surprise me if we don't bring in a right back, mm-hmm. um, like a Brook Norton coffee type player, uh, and then look to loan Jay Ben out into League One, potentially even back to the National League to get to get match uh, experience might be might be wrong that you know, he obviously turned out for the Lincoln City 11 against Eastbourne think a midfielder we're absolutely going to be looking at a right winger with the va va um as you would say I think there's the boy from Crystal Palace is being quite heavily linked yeah mm-hmm. we're looking for someone quick dip a shoulder beat players get us to transition quickly ball at feet beat you know kind of move play very very quick uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if we don't bring in the centre forward and I'm not thinking like a Liam Cullen style ball or playing centre-forward, I'm thinking more like, in terms of physicality, a Dan and Lundaloo-style centre-forward, potentially. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I think we, we're pretty much set on where we, we need to strengthen. Um, but like we've said, it's it, we're, we're at a good starting point at the moment. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens in the rest of the window. Um, other exciting news this week, um, after much... Much pestering on social media, and uh, a little bit of ribbing on from myself on Saturday um, with uh, you know to, to Liam. Um, the away kit has finally, finally been unveiled and released, um, and it's a beauty. I absolutely love the new away kit. I think the uh, the design is superb, and uh, I think the reveal video was absolute top quality from from the club and everyone involved i think getting back to mono involved in it was just a touch of class um and you know obviously the reels their you know local band i think everything about it was was pretty much perfect i don't think we could have expected too much more really what about uh, what about yourself yeah i've done a dog walk video on it so i'm not gonna bang on about it too much it's, i think it's a nice kit 
Um, I think that the release was was handled well. Um, so yeah, it, it is what it is. It's it's a football kit, um, you know, <laughs> a decent one. I, I, the thing is, you're never going to please every anyone, everyone, because everyone's no. tastes different. It's not like you you could design your front room and have the whole world walk in and go, yeah, "It's nice in here," because someone would walk in like my front room and go, "Oh, wooden floor. I like carpets." Or Oh, your sofas don't match. Do you know what I mean? And then someone else would walk in and go, Oh, I like I like the wooden floor and oh, the sofa thing, that's quirky. So yeah, that that's how it is with a football shirt. Uh, I don't think I, I think more people like it than don't, but inevitably you're gonna get people who don't like it. And you're inevitably gonna get people who don't know whether they like it or not, but go on social media and say they don't because it books the trend because they want to be different. Um mm. so yeah, I did a dog walk on it and uh we not literally on the shirt. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, no, I'd say I, I really like it. I don't think uh, I don't think the people that are moaning about the the sponsor have, have got too much to stand on. I think ultimately, as you've said, a sponsor gets the club money, and you know it's not overly offensive. So I'm happy with it. Um, uh, you know, oh, that's who, good. I'll let the club know. <laughs> who, no, but I was going to come on to. Like, I was going to say in. In future, if we change sponsors next season, it's like you said earlier, this is going to be, oh, that's the Branston shirt, isn't it? You know, or the. Yeah. the and those. the other point is, same sponsor home and away. So actually, we yeah. won't have that problem where, you know, like we have to change our kit to go to a. Because sometimes you've got different sponsors. It might be that one kit's got to be worn more than others. And one thing I'll say about the black kit and, and the dark kit from last season was night games, players complained in dark kits it was hard to pick each other out so and that's why i think we wore the yellow kit much more than the blue kit away on a tuesday night last season um so mm. i wouldn't be surprised if the black kit actually doesn't get used as much during the winter as whatever color the third kit is which Fair i do enough. have a good idea of but obviously can't say you've not even told me privately you bastard well no because anyway. I, I don't what you don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't say I'm going to keep something secret and then tell you privately, do I? Because that's not keeping it secret. Sometimes you do. Anyway, I believe you wanted to have a little chat about uh, some stuff as well. Did I? You said that. You, yeah, you wanted to mention a couple of conversations that you'd had. Oh or no, that was about player recruitment. Yeah, you've you've. That's passed. That's gone. That's passed. Okay. Fair enough. And I chatted to a club official. Yeah, I was chatting to pe people before the game, but it was only really about incomings and outgoings, which we've just kind of discussed. So, oh, okay, yeah, fair cross, enough. Cross that off your list. Then. Yeah, I have done. Right. So, uh, you haven't yeah, because I'll... I can see you and you haven't got a pen in your hand. No, balls. You have then. Yeah, I have, haven't I? So, For those listening at home, Ben has just managed to find a pen on his desk and, and show me it. So, that's it's the yeah. pen that I've had in my hand when I've been crossing things off, Gary. Anyway, right. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned it earlier, going away to Portsmouth this weekend. It is probably the most difficult game that we could have had um, going away. They, they came away from uh, from the weekend. Um, well, it was a, a, an exciting goal-filled game, wasn't it, on the, on the opening day, according to all the reports. Um, three all the way at Wednesday. So, it's going to be an interesting one on Saturday. I think they are not afraid of, of scoring at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I can't see us taking anything from this game. Um, and that's not, it's not being negative. It's just being honest. Um, 
you know, we, we know what they're about. They've got uh, they've got some players, and you know, I think we discussed in the in the preview one. You know, there's some players that I think I was quite excited by. Well, not necessarily excited by, but I was, I was intrigued by them signing. Obviously, Colby Bishop's the headline for uh, signing. You were in, you were quite uh, impressed by the fact that they've signed Joe Piggott. Um, so, you know, Josh Griffiths is in goal. We know what he's about. We know what uh, like you know Sean Raggett's about. So it's going to be um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, is there a way that we can take something from the game, guys? Well, yeah, you take something from any game if you play better than the opposition. Um, I, I think what's unusual is that they're playing a flat four four two. Well, they certainly did away at Sheffield Wednesday. We know Danny Cowley very well, and a flat four four two is not what he normally played. He normally played one tuck behind the other or something like that. But he played Bishop and Pickett up front. Um, you know how we often cried out for a four four two. And, and Danny has a real passion at the minute for strikers. Obviously, as we say, Bishop and Piggott, he's brought in Dane Scarlett as well. It's, you know, three quality strikers there. We went a whole season with three strikers when we had Matt Green, Ollie Palmer and Matt Reed. So, you know, it's it, it's kind of Danny's deviated a little bit from, from what we expect from him. Uh, I, I think, I mean, obviously, Colby Bishop scored. Joe Piggott got an assist. You've got to keep those two quiet. You've got playing pulling the strings in the middle of the park Marlon Pack um, Ryan Tonicliffe came on but I really like him he's he's another player who I think has done well for them they've got Ronan Curtis on one flank Michael Jacobs who I think at one point was close to joining Ipswich and and kind of bombed out he scored as well I like the fullback Connor Ogilvie was at was at Gillingham um you've got Rags and and um, Michael Morrison at the back if anything they lack a little bit of pace but it's not like that we're going to be able to test their centre-backs by running at them because we lack pace in the central areas as well. So um, the one thing that the Portsmouth guys said was at times it looked a little bit um, a little bit lapsadaisical at the back on Saturday. They, they conceded three goals. Um, I think in terms of shots, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I do have it in front of me. Um, total shots, seven from Portsmouth, and they scored three goals. Seventeen from Sheffield Wednesday um, and, and Sheffield Wednesday scored three goals as well. Sheffield Wednesday may message me just saying, oh, we're terrible because we're creating chances and not doing anything with them. So, yeah, massively open game. Uh, gives us hope because obviously this is a work in progress at Portsmouth. It's two new centre-forwards. It's it's a new centre-half. It's a new goalkeeper. And you know, those relationships haven't built up yet. So, yes, it's arguably it's one of the worst games we can go to. I've said that. But also there's an element of, well, maybe actually this Portsmouth side might be better in 10 weeks when Josh Griffiths has drilled, gelled with Michael Morrison and Sean Raggett. So maybe if we can do the high press, you know, if we can get at them nice and early, uh, yeah, there's a potential. There's a potential. The key with Portsmouth is to turn the home crowd. Um, so, you know, if you can go there and get an early goal or, or, or stifle them a little bit and turn that crowd, you know, they, they it's not always a great place to play, I think, for the home side. So, uh, but that said, I think we'll get beat. So, Yeah. No, I think um, it's, it's going to be, it's, like I say, it's going to be a tough game. Um, so, yeah, I... I I can't, I can't realistically see us taking much from the game. I think, I mean, I'd, I'd snap your hand off for a point, and the number of times we said that last season was was pretty pretty impressive. But given, I think, where we are at the moment, and um, I mean, we both picked, I think we both picked Portsmouth for top six finishes. No, I don't know if I did, did I? Uh, no, you didn't. Sorry, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I picked Portsmouth for a, 
um, for a top six finish. So I think they are, you know, they're, they're, they're well ahead of where we are at the minute. And I think ultimately um, it's going to take a very, uh, a very good, <laughs> I can't think of another word. <laughs> it's going to take an excellent performance for us to, to try and upset them. And Gaz is shaking his head at me. I'm just, I'm just literally there watching all the cogs in your head going at the same time, <laughs> and there's nothing behind the eyes at all. It was like you'd started talking and then suddenly started thinking about Lego. Um, yeah, it's going to take a committed, spirited performance uh, yes. to take anything from the game. Um, but again, we don't really know. I said that we'd know more after 10 games. We don't really know um, an awful lot about ourselves. Charles Vernon likely to play. Ben House could be back in the squad. He came onto the scene really with his goal against Portsmouth last time you know, they are going to be ahead of us because they're a bigger club and they've got a bigger budget and that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's all there is and they may, they may have a new signing in place Owen Dale I think who was a um, crew and then moved to Blackpool I think Michael Appleton doesn't fancy him so he's looking at loaning him out that would really surprise me if Michael Appleton loans a player to Portsmouth given what's happened recently between the two clubs what I would imagine Michael's doing is sat there going no tell them tell them they can have him yeah yeah no do all, do all that yeah, yeah yeah do all of that and then they'll go, you didn't sign it. Nah. <laughs> Just like bringing Dan, bring, get FaceTiming Danny going, yeah, how does that taste? You're not having in your bugger. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Michael's like that, but you could all, you could see it, couldn't you? Just sat there with yeah. a small smile going, yeah. Uh, shall we see what the, uh, what the Portsmouth fans think? Yeah. So Jake um, got to speak to Tom from 4-0 Ritl all over it. Um, and he got to have a chat with him about, uh, their view of Portsmouth and Lincoln on Saturday. Um, now we normally take a look at the last meeting between the two the two clubs, which actually wasn't that long ago. Um, no. Yeah, we going to see this man's video about that day. Go and, go and give it a view. Three um, two, it ended. Tom, you were on the right side. I think it maybe a last minute couple of last minute winner or something. We come back to two two. Um, what are your thoughts on on that day? And what can you remember from from that afternoon? I remember you boys are really unlucky. Um, I feel like we we robbed you a little bit there, to be honest with you. And that's me being as unbiased as I possibly can be. Although it's a it's a really it's a mistake, isn't it? That third one, and we mm. capitalised on that. And I know it wasn't Josh Griffiths between the sticks for that. Yeah, it was a tight fought battle, wasn't it? And the win was in your cells. The win was then in our cells. Then it was back with you. Then all of a sudden, it's back with us. And and it go it it went down as as a really good. Danny and Nicky win at Fratton Park that resulted in forming part of a really good run towards the end of the season for us at home. Mm. I think we had, I think that was part of our 10 game run where we won eight and drew two at home towards the end of the season. We're looking to reestablish that form and that, that mojo at at Fratton Park ahead of this new campaign. Um, Yeah. I I just remember a really hard fought battle and, and two teams that are really going at it. I don't know where you were, league position wise and if there was an awful lot that you boys are fighting for at the time but it, it felt like a really good advert for league one mate yeah i think we had clinched prom- um safety a couple of weeks before or, or after yeah. um what are your thoughts on lincoln's business so far under the new manager i don't know if you've been able to keep up to date with it obviously you'll see bits on twitter but have you been have you thought lincoln had done on so far i'm in a compared to you in a terrible position to talk about this because I know you know absolutely everything. But from the outside looking in, it, it looks like it hasn't quite gathered the pace that you'd want it to, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I feel like you, you've made some some decent signings. I think the, 
keeper, Carl Rushworth, who oddly we were looking at at, at at one point. You mentioned to me that he's had a really good loan spell at Walsall last season. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that, uh, I don't know if he's pulled off any decent saves from from the Exeter game on, on Saturday, which I can imagine he, he had a decent debut, which is good to see. Um, in general, mate, I'm really hoping you do really well this season. Um, I think we've... We've been taking the mick out of your ex-boss, Michael Appleton, in terms of our own transfers and Blackpool. I don't know if you've seen anything <laughs> about that. Um, g- generally, uh, you said it to me, you know, this this transfer window is not going to define Lincoln City because I think you're going to be OK to stay in the division. I think there's a lot of teams that are worse than you in the division. Although, having said that, you know, you look at Port Vale's result of the weekend and and how mm. sort of how flary they're playing. And I, I don't think that's, they maybe aren't a team that will finish too but far below you if if not they might even finish above you so you, you've got to be got to be careful you'll need some decent results Danny Mandrew I don't know if he's going to play that's another name that kind of sticks out as a as a real star arrival and the, the rest of them I believe are probably most of them are freeze aren't they is that mm, am I right in saying yeah that? yeah no you, you are spot on mate to be fair not paying a fee really for for anyone for a while um predictions then Tom for Saturday uh I came on your channel and was quite emphatic in my score prediction uh you were Give us your uh, your take for Saturday afternoon. Uh, I normally always go for and I've written all over it. I won't on this occasion. Um, I'd like a 2-1 <laughs> or a 3-1 Pompey. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Griffiths concedes a goal against his former club. I think mm. he might recognise a few faces. And yeah, th- I think the the pressure might get to him. He might have a little bit of a relapse. And you've already told us he's got a mistake in him. And we saw that in earnest at Hillsborough. Yeah, I think we'll concede. I think the Fratton atmosphere will be your downfall, unfortunately, on Saturday. It'll be a, a big old homecoming, a lot of welcomes for new signings. And, you know, a, a lot of with the vast majority of Pompey fans but we've seen Danny and Nicky and the boys for quite some time. So it'll be a, a raucous atmosphere there. Electric if we can get a good foothold in the game. One thing I would say, and something that's important for you boys to hold on, hold on to, perhaps, is that... Um, you know, it, it's another occasion for us and there's a lot, awful lot of pressure on those boys to deliver on your first game at Fratton Park and, and there'll be a lot of expectation heading into it. So that that's all I would add is that there's maybe the first 40, maybe first 20, 30, even 45 minutes will be quite a sluggish start from pumping. If you boys can capitalise on that and get a couple of early goals in there, then we could be talking about a completely different game. Over the course of the 90 minutes, I'll fancy a, a Pompey win. I'll, I'll go for a, I'll go for a 2-1 Pompey. And there we go. Thank you, Tom, for joining Jake in his preview. Don't forget, you can catch the full preview video on the Stacey West YouTube channel, um, currently at nearly 600 subscribers, so get on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, like I said, difficult game on Saturday, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Will we be playing in red or white, red and white or black on Saturday, guys? I don't know, I don't pick. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we don't play in black because the club will want to shift some shirts. Yep. Um, and it's here on time. I think had the, I, as I understand it, the club issue kit arrived a couple of weeks ago. So all the photos were done, the promo was all done and dusted, but they didn't want to release it when they couldn't sell it in the shop. So the idea was if it, if we got to Saturday and we didn't have the away kit, we'd play in the home kit because there's no clash. Mm. Um, the other interesting thing, of course, is the black shorts because we have black shorts at home and black shorts away. You're not actually allowed that with the EFL. 
Um, you know, got to have different away shots. No, you're not. Because if you think about it, when we've played away in the red shirt against team with black shorts, we've had to change our shorts. We played with the green shorts. Mm. Uh, we went away to Plymouth Argyle and they had green shorts. They didn't even have black. So it was just dark, similar dark shorts and we couldn't play in them, which is utterly ridiculous. Who's going to look at somebody in green and somebody in red and go, I can't tell them apart because they've got green shorts on and their shorts are, are, are black. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then the club today have released white shorts, which will be paired with the away kit, as I understand it. So if we play uh, with the home kit, so if we play away in the red and white, the likelihood is that we will wear the white shorts. Whereas if we play, obviously, at home, we'll always have black shorts. If we play away in the black kit, it will be black shorts and black socks. It's baffling. Um, I know. Oh, no, I've uh, gone cross-eyed. That's... Yeah, so basically you'll only see the white shorts paired with the home kit when we're away. Right, okay, that makes sense. So, cool. Right, I'll cross that off my list. And just to show Gary, I do have a list, so up yours. What's right. that drawing on it? Show me it again. <laughs> What's it's, that drawing? It's a, uh, cam- you, it's, it's a Mario and Luigi themed notebook, and occasionally when I get bored, I doodle over the top of the uh, the, the print. So I've started so drawing drawn a cartoon on there. I've, I've just started yeah. tracing over the lines, mate. So when were you bored? When I was talking? When you were talking about because XG, I'll be probably. honest, given some, of, given some of your knowledge, it would pay for you to listen. Go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you might learn something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, before this devolves into a devolves into a, a full-on roast, have you got anything else that we need to talk about or plug this week? Uh, I would just like to say uh, I thought the tribute to picking the 37th minute was impeccably observed. Mm-hmm. Um, credit to the Exeter fans for raising, I think, more than 600 quid. Absolutely yep. phenomenal. Um, and credit to the referee. Um, yep. who actually stopped play for it to happen. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's gone straight to the top of my favourite referee list. I thought he really, I thought actually he had a very good game throughout, but um, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that no, was a, a touching moment. Absolutely. I think, you know, we've obviously had history with Exeter and, and some of their fans, but I think on Saturday it was, uh, it was a really, really lovely moment and um, a, a tribute fully worthy. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's brought some small crumb of comfort to, to pick his family in the, in this time. So, um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else that we need to plug. Obviously, we're playing Doncaster on Tuesday night, but we're not going to really talk about that um, because there's no point in previewing it because A, it's, it, it's a bit of an unknown quantity and B, it, we need to see how we get on on Saturday first. So um, I think that's probably about it. Yeah, I think um, all I'd say about the Doncaster game um, is the Carabao Cup, as I've said a million times before, is, for me, the least important of the three. Um, you know, you can, I said it on a dog walk earlier in the week, you could beat Doncaster, get drawn away at Everton, play their reserves and go out, and you would get less money for that than you would beat in Doncaster and Everton under-21s in the um, in the EFL Trophy. Uh, that's my understanding. So in terms of financial recompense, it's not a great competition. The League Cup has really suffered. I mean, it used to be fantastic because you used to get guaranteed two legs and all that sort of thing. 
Um, but mm-hmm. I would expect us to go to Doncaster Rovers and I would expect us to come away with something from that. Um, and even just the thought of a cup run, and a cup run can be two games. It can be like when we beat Port Vale 4-0 and then went to Blackburn and it's a mini cup run. It's just a good opportunity to get minutes into players. When you think about what I said about, you know, Vernon and Adelican and Scully and a potential mm-hmm. loan player, you've got Ben House to get in there, Ted Bishop, Tashan, Max Sanders to squeeze into the midfield. You know, actually, it, it's going to help to have more games to get some minutes into some of those players. So um, I'd expect us to go to Doncaster and, uh, and and put in a good competitive performance. And I will preview it um, probably on a dog walk on Monday or Tuesday morning for anybody who has nothing better to do with an unspecified time between nine and half past 11 on a weekday morning, of which there are usually about 75 people, which is, <laughs> um, you know, that suggests to me that there are 50 or 60 employers out there who are not getting their money's worth out of their employee. And I take my hat off to those people because that's exactly the sort of thing I would have done when I was employed. <laughs> now I can't because one, I enjoy my job Two, uh, my boss follows me on all of the socials anyway. So when I go live, he knows and three, I've got hot stuff. So yeah, I never <laughs> there you I'm go. Do it, Ash. Just just in case you're listening, Ash. Obviously, I wouldn't have your your pants down. Yeah. <laughs> Not after the appraisal I had this week. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. He just creates the content that other people are watching. Yeah. I, I, oh, I yeah. stopped my hub stuff. <laughs> it's fine. Go it's back fine. to drawing your cartoons. <laughs> I'm a tracer. I go around the I go around the lines. Yeah, and if you can tell me what movie that's from, I'll give you a shiny penny. I bet it's from Marvel. It's not actually. So, <laughs> jog what on. is it from then? It's from uh, Chasing Amy. Oh, good movie as well. Thank you. I really like yeah. the Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, he's yeah. He's I do like the Kevin Smith movies. More yeah, rats was good. Yes. Clerks was was amusing at the time, but it's a tough watch back. Um, yeah, because it's quite dialogue heavy, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. obviously, I mean, uh, yeah, I think Dogma was um, that was Kevin Smith, wasn't it? Dogma. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I thought it was. Yeah, that was that was what started it for me. Dogma was a, a phenomenal movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and then uh, some of them, some of his later works, a bit odd. Have you seen Tusk? No. It's about a man who takes another man. Uh, he basically kidnaps another man and forces him to wear a costume that looks like a walrus that's made out of skin. Oh, okay, that sounds um, interesting. Mind you, some acclaimed directors do do odd movies. You know, um, Del Toro, um, who did uh, what was the Spanish Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, and then he did the one about the sea monster. Shape it of was Water. In the cinema. Yeah, yeah, I, that was just like I went to watch it at the cinema. It's just like wow i didn't realize honestly i genuinely thought for about an hour that loud cinema had started putting acid in the uh diet <laughs> so i'm like whoa this can't be right that's a, a sea creature it's like anyway have you, have you ever seen have you ever seen any of peter jackson's earlier work uh i'm assuming we're not talking about the western the magnificent seven no <laughs> No, um, Peter Jackson, acclaimed director of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, yes, if you go back, King Kong, yeah. yeah, King Kong as well. Um, if you go back and look at his, his earlier work, there's two films I'd recommend: Brain Dead and Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles is basically an X-rated Muppets, and it's brilliant. Okay, I will make a note of that. Just a minute, let me get my pen and my little bit of paper. There we go. Made a note of that. Mental anyway. note. It's in here. <laughs> I looked a little bit like David Brent when I did that. 
entertainer. <laughs> anyway, no. <laughs> right, we're um, at one oh five, so this is going to be like a one hour and twenty minute podcast. That's too much for anybody. Even even Fee hasn't had to listen to an hour and twenty minutes of me this week. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good spot to end it. So we'll see you guys next week. Take care and up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.